Well, let's do this. The Cult of Hockey podcast by the faithful and for the faithful. I'm David Staples of the Edmonton Journal, and I'm here today with Bruce McCurdy. Hey, Bruce. Hey, David. How are you doing tonight? Good, good. I want to thank our mutual friend, Colin Ruddle. Um, he gave you tickets last week and me sure tickets did. this week. And you took your wife last week. I took my wife, Lily, this week, Excellent. and we had a fantastic time. Uh, it was very nice to be there, uh, especially especially as the game went along and things got better for the Oilers. It's a very interesting mm-hmm. game, hard-fought game. 4-2 for the Oilers in the end. This is our two good things, two bad things, and two numbers podcast. Bruce, we'll start it off with your good thing. Yeah, okay. I'm going to go with the 2-2 goal about seven minutes into the third period on a, a Edmonton power play. Uh, second power play of the game, David, and it was, uh, or sorry, second power play goal of the game to tie it up. Both were tying goals. And this one was, a, to me, a real game turner uh, in conjunction. With, well, the, the game turned on a sequence of events in a very few minutes here, but uh, the 2-2 goal uh, that tied it impressed me as being the best hockey uh, in terms of the uh, uh, just just the class in which Edmonton's power play converted this goal. And one of the forwards, and I'm not quite sure which one, but maybe Dreisaitl, just because of where he wound up, won the puck on the on the uh, near boards uh, after one failed thrust and was able to get the puck back to Tyson Berry at the blue line. And Berry, under heavy pressure, was able to just drop a long pass along the blue line uh, to where... Uh, uh, Connor McDavid was able to uh, uh, to uh, pick it up, and McDavid. Uh, uh, that was more than just your routine uh, uh, distribution by Barry. I thought he made an exceptional play there to to keep the puck onside and in Edmonton's possession and on the right stick, meaning McDavid. So to me, this was a goal where all five guys on the power play got and deserved a credit for contributing to the goal. Uh, and uh, McDavid uh, dangled in with it and went around behind the net and around to the opposite face-off circle with puck in possession. And then he found this narrow seam right across the slot between the uh, defenders and the forwards, and it was maybe a meter wide, the passing lane. And McDavid zipped this pass right through there, right onto the tape of uh, Nugent Hopkins. He just, you know, he held the puck until the moment the lane opened and zipped right onto Nugent Hopkins' stick. And Nuge, bless him, he made the identical pass right through the exact same lane the other way. Like the lane barely moved as the flyers were reacting and the goalie was reacting to the first pass. And Nuge just zipped it right back across the same lane. Of course, McDavid has left the scene by then because he was moving the whole time. And instead, in comes Dreisaitl to receive the pass, hold it for a split second, and roof it under the crossbar, where Carter Hart had absolutely no prayer of uh, making the stop. And it was just just a beautiful execution. And just to add several cherries on the Sunday, it was uh, McDavid's 800th career point. Uh, 
Dreisaitl's 700th career point and Nugent Hopkins' <clears throat> 70th point of the season, which is, you know, it's a nice round number, but what it is for him is a new career high. He's never hit 70 points before. So it was a milestone for all three guys, statistical milestone on the same goal. Now, that's something you don't see very often. I remember that one time in Philadelphia when Glenn Anderson scored his 400th goal on an assist by Mark Messier, which was his 1,000th point. And those are both wow. official NHL milestones, 400 goals, 600 assists, 1,000 games played, 1,000 points. Those are the milestone. And so they had to share. I think they cut the puck in half, Mess and Andy, after that <laughs> one. But this one was all three guys. I mean, sort of not quite as – they're not the milestone milestones as recognized, but, you know, nice round numbers. So what a way to do it. And then, of course, uh, the uh, game, game turned there. Could have turned back when Skinner – uh, made a fantastic oh, save uh, of <clears throat> basically the same caliber as that one save that Jack Campbell made in the uh, third period against Detroit, a game I attended after he hadn't had a, all that good of a game. But boy, did he make a you know a, at least a, a point-saving stop in the third period. And this this was in that category. And then of course a few minutes later, after that, the Oilers manufactured the winner and and played it out to the end. But uh, yeah, Tippett, right. Owen Tippett got that shot, and he can shoot. He and he, he just, he he did the right thing in shooting fast. I mean, that's, I think, the the primary um, requisite on a, on that kind of rushing play is to shoot it fast and on, on net. Mm-hmm. He did yep. both those things, but he needed to get it up because Skinner's pad, like I was thinking, oh, he shot it right at Skinner, but when I watched the replay a few times, it was like Skinner's pad got over there really fast. Like that yes. was, he, Skinner made up for uh, the the first goal against on that one, mm-hmm. Bruce. Yeah, that that uh, I, like that goal that you singled out quite rightly was one of the greatest goals of the year. <laughs> the level of skill, loved it. I don't think I've seen that kind of you know that kind of offensive uh, movement since you know Iniesta, Xavi, and Messi were passing the ball around <laughs> for Barcelona. It was it was it was unbelievable. Like two cross seam passes. In a row, with, with same scene, high <laughs> level of difficulty. Yeah, they're they're minding that scene. It was like Phil of Mithril, um, <laughs> mandatory Lord of the Rings reference. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, it was uh, it was a tremendous play, and you're right to single out Tyson Berry. He he was he had a really good game. Yep, and uh, this segues into my good thing. Mm-hmm. You know, Philadelphia. This was a very frustrating game and an odd game in a lot of ways because the Oilers couldn't get anything going. What do they have? Ten shots after the first two periods, so it was some yes. minuscule number. Yes. And and it wasn't the Oilers weren't trying because they were trying. They were they were they wanted to win this game and they were working, but they couldn't make anything go. And um, you know, not all their passes were great, but mostly it was because Philadelphia was forcing them and they were covering. They were covering the open man. They were covering the guy who was going to get the pass. So you just couldn't make the easy pass. There was no easy passes to be had for the Oilers. And the Flyers just kept, they were on them, playing a, a disciplined defensive hockey game. One of the best defensive hockey games I've seen. And this is impressive for a team that's out of it, um, to be working so hard on defense. So credit to them. John Tortorella, but, eh? Yeah, John, credit to John Tortorella. But, you know, players like Tyson Berry kept working. Nugent Hopkins kept working. McDavid was working, working, working. I mean, he hit the post on that shorthanded um, 
man. You know, this, this, they couldn't get a break. <laughs> the Oilers couldn't get a break. Fogel was working hard. Kulak. Philip Broberg was really solid on defense. Like, he's a, just a... They can't get around that guy because he's so big and lanky and he's such a good skater. Like he's he doesn't really um impress yet offensively. He's quite cautious. But he was working Darnell Nurse was playing his heart out. He he was he you know, yeah. he hit the post. McDavid hit the post, he hit the post, hit the crossbar, and finally they got a break. And the break was, I think well, it Drysaddle hit the post. The break was a four minute penalty call. Uh, I can't remember who it was who got slashed in the face. Was Devin it short? Shore. Devin it, Shore. It, but it was it was the right it was a nasty slash. Oh, he was, was bleeding very, like a stuck pig. It was a very, very nasty play. And I'm not saying it's, you know, you're you're cheering for your guy to get cut, but it does end up in a four-minute penalty. And I think that gave the Oilers <clears throat> just that level of confidence where they didn't just they could they didn't have to rush it. They didn't have to force it. They could let, they're thinking, okay, we got four minutes. We're going to score. Let's just do our thing. Mm-hmm. And that was the break in a way that they needed was that four-minute penalty call. And they got it. And after that, they started to make their own breaks. I mean, McDavid's goal, the you know, that, that goal was obviously the Barcelona goal is a spectacular thing that the Oilers are able to do more than any other NHL team, at least on the power play. Um, then McDavid... Um, the puck starts pinballing around, and, and at other oppor- other times, it just didn't go to the right place. But this time, it went to McDavid at the side of the net. The pinball uh, ended up there, and he bumpered it into the net, you know, like with, with, on pinball when you hit those bumpers. He just mm-hmm. gave it the bumper shot, and it went in. I'm not sure if it went off the goalie or the defenseman, but one of their two, and it went yeah. in. And yeah, that's- and I think. The bumper, by the way, the last one that you, you haven't seen properly yet, was a phenomenal no-look pass, backhand pass by Leon to Connor. That if Leon fished the puck out of that out of that mess, and without looking, he just tucked it behind his back and right on the stick of 97 at the edge of the crease. He tried to hit Hyman on the far side of the crease, who was charging in for the the usual Hyman arrival on the doorstep, and the uh, uh, puck bank took a friendly bounce. Finally. And went in. So McDavid, he almost looked rueful. And it was his second goal in nine games, which is a tremendous long drought for that guy. And I think I already had two goals on his last 46 shots. So he really had hit a dry spell. But uh, he got that bounce. And after he hit the post, he was pretty disconsolate. Like oh. you could see, like that, that hurt. And then, you know, the, the, the so the first break was the slash in the face that led to a four minute penalty, which is, mm-hmm. you know, that helps. And then Hyman, when he gets, when he gets crashed into the goalie, mm-hmm. it was an obvious cross check of him into mm-hmm. the goalie, and right. that's why uh, Drysaddle. So that's the second break they got because Drysaddle's mm-hmm. goal wasn't called back, even though Hyman got in Carter Hart's way <clears throat> on the play. And then they get a bounce on the McDavid goal. They get another bounce on McDavid's empty net goal because when he ices the puck, it. I mean, I think it hits when it lands. He lofts it through there and it lands on an edge, but it it, it goes in the right direction. And uh, although I wouldn't put it past Connor to be able to spin the puck in from from any which way he he so chooses, like he's Minnesota Fats with that puck, he can make it uh, bounce and spin and do whatever he wants. But uh, you see that one the other day when he lobbed uh, one from behind the icing line right over the net and it landed in the blue paint. Uh, just just a little flip pass right over the right over the cage. I don't remember. Down into the blue paint and then it got kind of whacked away before anything came out of it. But it was. Uh, Deliberate and kind of unbelievable. (laughs) 
So lots of good efforts in that game, lots of and and great leadership from McDavid because he never gave up. He 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 willed his team. He was the captain that game, and he 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 deserves credit. We've been criticizing him. I've been criticizing him in recent games for this, that, and the other thing. But man, he really um, took his team to victory in that game. Mm-hmm. So he was part of it. Bruce, let's move on to your bad thing. <sighs> bad thing. <clears throat> You know what? You go first this time. All I'm right. So well, I'm excited about good things that I'm. I, I will have one, but I'll, I'll listen to yours and then I'll take take my turn. Well, I'm going to take the second goal against. Okay. Um, the first goal against could also be one, but I'm going to take the second goal against, and and I'm picking it specifically because, um, there was a it, it was a lack of concentration, a lack of focus, particularly in the part of two players, two veteran players on this play that I think has really um, been too, there's been too much of this on the owners and there wasn't a lot of it tonight. They mm-hmm. buttoned it down pretty good. They were all working very hard and um, they, they generally did their jobs defensively. But on this play, it's it. there's no reason in the world this has to be a goal against Bruce if Cody Ceci just makes a good first pass. And, and, and instead of doing that, instead of passing it to Philip Broberg's stick, yeah. he passes it behind him to his skate. Mm-hmm. It's he he's he, he doesn't have to pass. He could have gone behind the net. No one was on him. There was no need to rush that pass. And he just he just didn't execute a basic pass. Hit him on the tape yeah. so he can make the play. That was a really bad play by Cody Cece. Mm-hmm. And you know he's my spirit oiler. You know the guy. I, you know, when I play beer league hockey, I'm kind of like the Cody CC of my team, like just a, a defenseman who doesn't do much, but tries to at least be in the right spot defensively. Get in the way, right? Get in the way. I get in the way now and then. Cody CC does that. I, I really, I like this player. I root for this player, but that was a bad pass. And then Hyman, I can't. Is it Tippett? Tippett's charging up the ice. Mm-hmm. Hyman has a step on him, and all ha- all Zach Hyman has to do is hustle and get on the right side of the player, take away the shot. And Zach Hyman doesn't hustle. He lets he lets the hunger of the sc- the goal scorer um, take precedence over the hunger his hunger to defend, and that's what that's why there's a goal there because he doesn't cover Tippett, even though he was in he was in good position to do so. Mm-hmm. He failed. Cece also. Blue, like he didn't even block the pass. Like first he, he was in first, the red light zone, wasn't first he? First he was wandering in the red light zone. First he blows the pass, and then he's wandering in the red light zone. It goes right by him. He's not even aware of where Tippett is. He should be at least aware of where the major passing lane is going to mm-hmm. be and block that. But so two veteran players, I thought, really let down the orders. You know, Philip Broberg also lost the battle, right? Yeah, but he gets sure the did. puck. On. He lost the battle too. He's part of the sequence of pain. Yep. And he made a major mistake on a goal against, but he uh, he was the least of the of the culprits on that one by by a country mile, because those are two veteran players and they they got to do better than that. So yeah. that's my bad. You saw the same goal I did, David. I was scoring those scoring chances this game, the job you usually do, uh, but because you were at the game, I was doing it and I scored it as a uh, uh, a bad pass or a missed assignment. I left it up for you to decide against CC. <laughs> Yeah. It's kind of both of those things, a turnover and then yeah. what he did after. A lost battle for Broberg and, a, and an allowed shot by Hyman. So that's exactly uh, uh, the things that went wrong in that sequence. And to Philly's credit, they, they uh, executed. And to Philly's credit, uh, 86 on Philly uh, 
uh, Joel Farabee, oh, uh, made a fantastic play. That was going to be an icing without his terrific effort to get a piece of the puck on its way into the zone. And then he just went to the bench on a line change, and the fresh guys came over the boards and produced the goal. But that was some, you know, some good sharp hockey by them to create the chance, and then they executed that chance. That was one goal that was not on Stuart Skinner which is going to be my bad thing. If I had my stuff together, we could have done this in order. The first Philly goal yeah. was a bad thing. And it was uh, it was uh, just kind of a nothing play along the, the boards in the defensive zone. And the, uh, um, the puck just went around the backboards. And Leon, I didn't even think he was in a bad position. He just... The, the play kind of went in a different direction and it looked like it was going to go. So the guy slipped behind him and, the, and Leon tried to cut out the pass, but he couldn't quite get his <clears> stick <throat> in the right position. And the guy just, uh, uh, now this guy was that big, big, uh, Cates, uh, oh, yeah. uh, Noah Cates. And he, uh, uh, took the puck behind the net. He's a great big guy. Eh? And, and, uh, he just came around, uh, the side of the net took the puck right into the middle of the of the goal crease, and then just wrapped it home through the pads of uh, of Stu Skinner. And all this time, I'm going, "Where's your stick, Stu? What are you doing with your stick? Like when, when the puck comes into the crease like that, you you know you need to be using it at the point of entry to sort of you know as a defensive maneuver, poke check the guy." Or, you know, get in the way. Or second thing is have it down between your knees when the other guy is shooting. And his stick was over behind him, slow coming over. And I attributed it immediately, and I think correctly, to Rust for Skinner, who's been sick for days. And, and uh, I'm not sure how much ice time, practice time he had. He hasn't played a game for uh, uh, for uh, um, since the uh, game in Montreal almost 10 days ago. And he just was a little slow to react on that play, and he just got beat by a hungry player. But it was, you know, definitely a mistake on the on the part of the goaltender. And I, I call that one a missed assignment because, I mean, it's definitely a great A shot from where he shot it from, you know, two feet from the goal line in the middle of the goal crease. It's not like he was wrapping it from the side. He took it right around in front, but I just thought it was poorly defended in two different ways. By the goalie, not trying to intercept the puck in the in the uh, in the sweep around in front, and you know just not proactive enough, and uh, and then beaten because again his stick was not in the the spot to help out. So yeah, I, yeah tough start I, for Stu, and he made up yeah. for it with that save. Uh, that he did stop in the uh, in the third period at the crucial time. So wraparound shots go in about ten and fifteen percent of the time. Like they're not that dangerous and um there's exceptions to that you know if the goalie is way on the other side and has to move fast and it's, it's a really fast player and and he can take it to the middle of the net this was not one of those exceptions he mm-hmm. should have easily made this save it was a 10 percent shot at best and he just mm-hmm. blew it and so you um, see it as a b shot I, yeah i think if you if you look at wraparound shots mm-hmm. my experience with because i i initially i went into this thinking wraparound shots are always grade a shots like right years ago and then i started marking them grade a shot grade a, and then you just realize they, they hardly ever go in so there'd be these players who would rack up a lot of tons of grade a shots and I, and i'm thinking like 
why am I giving them credit for great? Like they're not great A shots because they never score on them. Mm-hmm. So it, it, I just think they're, if you looked at the totality of wraparound right. shots, you'd get about 10 to 15% of them going in. And for a great A shot, it's got to be 20%. It's almost always a goalie error when it goes in, I feel. And, and if Stu had his stick in the right spot yeah. to knock that off, or even just, just, it was just. Let's disrupt like, him. You know. He just needed between us, like you say, like in mm-hmm. the butterfly, right? Yeah. Like he's going to stop that because he he didn't even have to move that fast. So I didn't like. Right. Oh God, I was yeah. that was that was a very painful moment, Bruce. Well, the note I left for you is I couldn't decide if it was a five alarm shot or a grade B shot, like the full well, range, it. because yeah. to me a, a wraparound is dangerous mm-hmm. when they do get the puck back above the icing line and then they have an angle to make a, a clean shot on net, as opposed to just trying to jam it in at the post and hoping it bounces in off the goalie. And quite often they panic and they release the shot before they even get to the line. But he was able to not only get it to the line, but he was able to pull it right into the crease and then pound it home. So in terms of where he shot it from, five alarm. But So yeah, it's, it's, just, it's kind of one of those weird ones. So I'll, yeah. I'll let you have another look at okay. it from that perspective. But like I say, I, I wasn't even sure how to score it. It was a grade B opportunity that turned into a grade A plus shot because yeah. of the, the way the guy was just allowed to bowl yeah. the puck right into the blue paint. I see what you're saying, Bruce. Yeah. <laughs> it, it comes to, comes down to Skinner was just had a stick in the wrong spot. He should have snuffed yeah. that out quite easily yeah. before it, it developed. Because, yeah. again, that wasn't it wasn't a, the, the case where he's just scrambling to get across the net as you sometimes see. Right. Was, he was in position and he just missed it. Oh, well. Uh, all's well that ends well. And as you say, um, I mean, that save that he made, mm-hmm. uh, <laughs> that was that was unbelievable. I thought it was in for sure, the tippet shot. And, mm-hmm. and he kept that out. So all is forgiven, Stu mm-hmm. Skinner. Yeah. yeah, they interviewed him after the game about that save. And he was sort of berating himself on both goals. He thought he should have had both goals, which I sure didn't blame him much on the second one. But the first one, yeah, that was on him. Well, it's a tough position, right? Like, <laughs> imagine me about it. <laughs> imagine coming back. He did have the flu. And uh, yeah, yeah. Rust. So he's coming back. And the first real chance shot they get, you know, is he has to make a save on a wraparound. It's not, you know, it's not easy. Mm-hmm. He's you gotta you gotta execute. And he muffs it and he lets it yeah. in. It's one nothing, right? You're behind again. The orders are behind again. Same old mm-hmm. story. And I was just thinking, like, man, you just have to like for Stuart, these goalies in the NHL are must be psychologically strong yeah. to put that behind you to stay in the moment to focus to to forget about it and to to muster up your best game after that. And I thought he did. He succeeded in that. And uh, he seems to have that mindset, um, that strong mentality that uh, you, you see in uh, the best goal. He's, I, he's, I think he's going to be... Um, the one? You know, I think when the Oilers win the Cup, Bruce, he's going to be in that. That's my guess. All right. Um, numero... What is your number, Bruce? Okay, I'm going to let you go first again, okay. David, because you're all, all right. ready to roll. I know it. Well, I, I had said previously that, that uh, this was the captain leading his team to victory. And um, that is very clearly seen in his uh, scoring line, all, all the numbers that come together for McDavid and the, how he led the team. So he led the team in time on ice, 25-59. 26 minutes he played. 
that led the entire team. And let me see, next best is 22-27 Zach Hyman. Um, he led the team in, tied for the lead in, in shifts with uh, dry settle 24 each. He was the top, top even strength player at 19.07. He led the team in shots. He had nine shots, Connor McDavid did. And the next highest player had three. There was three guys tied for three. McDavid had nine shots. He he had um, one misfire. He led the team in giveaways, <clears throat> which shows how much I think he um, was working to make plays and how tenacious was Philadelphia in checking him. Like they were really on him and not giving him a lot of room. So he did lead in giveaways. And then um, there's a, a, a stat that sometimes I think is indicative of how hard a player is working in battles. And that's face-offs. And he was 13-3 and three in the dot, 81%. And that's um, really, really good. That's just, you know, obviously that's fantastic in the NHL. And uh, Dreisaitl was 10-4. and four. But um, I just think he, he, he was out there battling hard all night long. And he carried that into the face-off circle. Where the Oilers, have, you, you have noted recently, Bruce, have lost a lot of games because of goals off face-offs. Mm-hmm. And... Think. Maybe he's thinking the same thing. I'm just not going to let that happen. Like, oh, I'm going to win my face-offs. There's a couple mm-hmm. face-offs in the third period where I'm thinking, oh, no, it's coming now. And uh, I don't know if they won those face-offs or not. I can't recall. But uh, he won his he won his share of battles and face-offs. He just, he just had a really great game. Oh, and I missed the two other categories. He led the team in goals with two and points with three. Mm-hmm. So uh, Drysaddle also had three points to tie mm-hmm. in that regard. So the two top scorers... Um, in the NHL, led their team to victory. I think Mark Spector wrote a column where he said more more was needed out of uh, McDavid and Drysdale. I think Mark was right in that column, and um, they delivered. The two best players in the NHL just delivered the game that uh, their team needed from them that night. McDavid now has 105 points in 58 games. Leon Drysdale the second. Um, is this accurate? Is Nugent Hopkins? Th- no, this. Oh, I see. I got it. I got it flipped up. McDavid, 105 and 58. Uh, Drysdale, 85 points in 56 games. And Nikita Kusherov, 80 points in 56 games, is in third place. Nugent Hopkins, he's third in power play points, actually. I, yeah, right. folks, that. He is now 12th in NHL scoring with um, 70 points in 58 games. So. Bruce, what is your number? Yeah, I'm I'm going to just have to default to two, uh, which is key in two things, uh, two points for the win. Uh, so that's the first time in five games the Oilers have been able to cop both points available to them. And it's also the first time in uh, six games that they were able to hold an opponent to two goals or fewer, and, and they needed to, because really tonight they only generated three. Of course, they got the nice 150-foot lob empty netter uh, from McDavid that kind of sent people home happy. But uh, 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 the two goals against, and I think pretty well earned, you know, on the base of defensive play. Uh, I'm looking at natural stat tricks, so expected goals in all situations, and they had 3.81 for the Oilers and 1.78 for the Flyers. So if you round that, it's 4-2. to two. Well, guess what the score was of this game? So, you know, you could say that's a deserved win by a deserved score. 
they had 15 to 8 in high danger chances. What do we have? 18 to 7 for grade A. So, uh, yeah. you know, a two-goal victory, even as one of them was an empty netter, was uh, uh, deserved. So uh, they held the other team to two. They won by two, and they got two points. So I'll settle for two as my sort of very fundamental number. And it's it's funny. I just looking at the Oilers' uh, Twitter feed. The uh, the person who got they give out a vest, I guess, to their their player who oh, yeah. had. And tonight it was Devin Shore. Yeah, I wonder. Must if be for taking that ice stick. Got smashed in the face. Well, you know he's a very popular teammate. I'm very I'm very glad for Devin Shore that he's gotten this last chance, and I don't think we're going to see a lot more of him. But you know what? I thought he was terrific on Sunday, and I thought he was terrific today. In this game, like he, he did some uh, stuff, for, he made a really big uh, shot block at the to end of one sequence of pain. He was getting tip stick taps on his way to the bench and stuff. You know the kind of stuff that teammates notice and uh, and you know some, see the puck bounce out and you go, well, who was that? Oh well, let's see what happens next. Well, who that was was uh, was Devin Shore, and uh, I just uh, I, I loved his effort. And, you know, he just seemed to be in the middle of things. And uh, what did he play? Uh, 10 minutes and 44 seconds. A couple of shots, a couple of, or sorry, a couple of hits, a couple of shot blocks, uh, takeaway. And, you know, I just think he did what you want your 11th forward to do. Uh, and he's uh, he waited a long time to get back in the lineup from just last game was Christmas or sorry New Year's Eve uh, until Sunday, and he got bounced up and down to the I think five times he was on the transactions list in six days last week. So poor guy. So he got uh, yeah he got uh, waived and and then he got assigned to Bakersfield and then he got called right back up. And then he got sent back down to Bakersfield again, and then uh, he got emergency recall. So he was uh, just on the yo-yo, and he responded. And uh, you know, it's an unsung hero, but I would say maybe he deserves that best. And I, I think he's a very popular teammate, and I think the team is is trying to recognize him and probably rec- sees the writing on the wall as well with the roster situation and the way it is. So good on him. He yeah. led for his team, you know. He has been playing better, and and it's he's an interesting player, you know, because he has shown signs now and then mm-hmm. of being a decent player. Um, he really had a terrible start to the year, though. Is the truth? He just we didn't see that player enough, and uh, you know, like a player like Devin Shore, though, like if, if he's playing for another NHL contract, he could make sure, you know, yeah. he could make another million dollars, right, or whatever, you know, after taxes, whatever they make, if he can if he can somehow find a way to hang in the league one more year, get one more contract and it's not impossible for him to do so. He's got incredible motivation to go out there. I, you know, I think um, he's got a, he has some skill. He's got to flash that. I think for him, the key is super solid defensive play and a bit more physical play than, than, uh, than he engages in, but he was in the mix. He's been in the mix of it in the last couple of games. He's been battling hard. So well earned by him. I agree, Bruce. Well, let's, Let's leave it there, Bruce. I guess we'll Kurt's doing the game grades tonight. Uh, nope, I'm doing. Oh, tonight. oh you're doing them tonight. That's Kurt's right. Kurt's doing them Thursday. So and I'm doing them Saturday. Saturday morning game after that. Right. So I hit the road, Pittsburgh on Thursday early evening, and then Columbus on Saturday morning. Another one of these 10:30 jobs. 
Well, I'll let you get at it then. So, <laughs> All right. Thanks, Thanks for talking, Bruce. Thanks for listening, everyone. And in the meantime, and in between times, this has been another edition of the Cult of Hockey podcast.